What's happening? Thanks for joining us. John Lund, KNBR Radio in San Francisco. It is Unleashed, Barry, Sports Talk. And we drop it each weekday, whether it's the YouTube channel or on the uh, podcast. You can listen wherever you get your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify. Do them every uh, weekday. And then the YouTube channel, thank you very much for tuning in. If you're uh, watching on the live stream, thanks for joining us. Hit me up. I got the uh, chat line wide open, and I'm going to play a, a bit from Tom Verducci here in a minute from Sports Illustrated. We had him on today on my KNBR show, which you can hear if you're in the Bay Area. On KNBR 680, which is the home of the Giants, the big blowtorch. Uh, if you're not in the Bay Area, you can uh, listen to it at uh, KNBR.com. You can listen to the stream or uh, on all sorts of uh, devices. So uh, you can tune in that way. If you haven't had your say on uh, Carlos Correa, I invite you to chat and we can discuss did talk a lot to a lot of insiders today. Uh, talked to some people behind the scenes. Uh, only one voice has been heard, Scott Boris, and we haven't heard from the Giants, and I don't know if we ever will. I would. Uh, if I was their PR team, I would advise something, and there are ways to get it out, and there are laws because of we're dealing with an injury here with Carlos Correa, so you've got to respect other people's rights, but there's a way to get it out. There's, that's the whole reason why um, certain beat writers exist and certain insiders exist and all those kind of things. How do you get their... How do you think they get that information? All of a sudden, it's like, whoa, Adam Schefter or Jeff Passan or or uh, Adrian Wojnarowski or any of these really good insiders. Well, it's a give and take. They're not just constantly handing them things. Can you imagine if that's how life worked? Here, let me just hand you this and hand you this and hand you this and hand you this. And then you get nothing in return. So there's a, there's a two-way street that goes on. A lot of these things that you hear, as you can see through this story, come through an agent. And it's the narrative of an agent who they want to get ahead of something and spin things positively, both for their player. But in Scott Boris's case, the reason why he spoke with Tom Verducci, who then spoke with us on uh, Pop and Lund, which you can hear weekdays on KMBR at 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. The reason why he speaks to Susan Slesser, and you heard a lot from Susan today, our good friend from the San Francisco Chronicle, even though she's in England, uh, she gets a lot of information. Phones work over there too. Is that Scott Boris wants to tell his side of the story consistently and make sure that he's seen as some sort of a hero and uh, look at me and I'm going to get more clients. And I look, I, I had a 13 and 350 and in the matter of hours, I got a 12, 315 when they said no. So we'll go over everything that happened, but as we're waiting for people to arrive and uh, I will hit up on the uh, chat, uh, the chat line. And again, hit me up uh, and I will answer all the best ones. Let me play just a few minutes of Tom Verducci to get us all warmed up. If you didn't hear this story, this is how Tom Verducci's or this is the angle that uh, Tom Verducci got from Scott Boris, and then we'll start talking about this. By the way, if you want to throw in some Niners, we are at 49ers Stadium at Levi's Stadium. Feel free. If you want to throw in some Warriors who just got blown out by 30, they're not playing anybody, but still they got blown out by the Nets by 30. And we're starting to come up on the midway point of the season. I do realize that Steph Curry is out, so we'll have some discussions if you want to throw those things in. I have a feeling it's all going to be Carlos Correa. I get it. I get the outrage. You need somebody to talk to. You need to lay on the couch. You need to feel better to become a uh, consistent member of society once again. Anger, rage, whatever it is, or explanations, and you just want to hear what that is. I'll do my best to provide it. Let me play a few minutes of Tom Verducci, and then we'll get into the chat. All the questions, just hit up on the chat line. And I will answer all the questions. But here is first Tom Verducci on our show, Papa and Lund on KNBR, and what he said went down according to Scott Boris. World Series analyst, national sports writer of the year, many-time Emmy Award winner. Uh, SI.com, he's got the latest piece on uh, Carlos Correa, MLB Network, and Fox. And uh, he's got the inside story. It says, inside Carlos Correa's chaotic flip, 
from the Giants to the Mets. What happened will go down as the biggest undoing of a contract agreement in baseball history. And Tom joins us courtesy of the UMA guest line. Thank you so much for making the time, uh, the time, Tom, and a great piece as always. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> We're not doing great. Uh, yeah, I understand. <laughs> so let us uh, take us from here because at the beginning you, you suck us right in. Carlos Correa is suited and booted. He's ready to go. He's ready to be the shortstop of the San Francisco Giants, and then everything, at least from a Giants perspective and a fan perspective, went horribly wrong. What happened? Yeah, man. I mean, I've never seen anything like this. I mean, we've certainly seen deals undone before, but we're talking about guys like URB Torrealba. Um, there's been some other guys, Kumar Rocker out of the draft from Vanderbilt. I remember Aaron Seeley years ago with the Orioles. It, it happened. You know, there's a reason they say pending physicals, right? Things can turn up on a physical, but I've never seen anything at these dollars and years. And I got to be honest with you, I've never seen anything where the press conference was actually scheduled. I mean, that, that's free agency 101. You do not schedule a press conference until it, the deal is actually done. So I, I don't know where the Giants and Scott Boris went in terms of putting something on the media calendar and then have to undo that. But I, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, for instance, the Yankees introduced Aaron Judge today. They announced that deal just yesterday. They're doing the same with Rodon tomorrow, where they announced that today, waiting till all the physicals are back. Everybody is signed, sealed, and delivered. So I think that was part of the intrigue here. Listen, it would have been a big story anyway, but the fact that, you know, we are looking forward to an introduction of Carlos Correa as the Giants do shortstop uh, officially being introduced. That kind of added to the shock factor, at least in my book. No offense to Papa there, but let me, let me break in for just a second there. And again, that was a Tom Verducci on our show on KNBR, uh, which you can hear weekdays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And we are the uh, flagship home of the Giants as well. So, that's Tom Verducci's side of the story, but it comes through Scott Boris. So before we get into anything, and again, hit me up on the uh, the chat line, and we'll talk about the story. But just to just to kind of reiterate, if you jumped into the uh, live chat a little bit later, flag something. It wasn't the back. Now this is all according to one side of the story, which is the Scott Boris side of the story. And uh, and I'll just reiterate this: his he's got two things that he wants to accomplish. One, he wants to keep his first and foremost ahead of players. He wants to keep his business going. He wants to keep his reputation going. He wants to make things look great for himself so that he can get future contracts. Uh, he has uh, signed or he has uh, negotiated contracts of over $1.1 billion during this season, this offseason alone, which puts about $62 million in his coffers. So that's first and foremost what he wants to do. And he wants to then, if the Giants say no, he wants to quickly get a contract comparable, which he did as fast as he possibly could. And I said this a lot on the show today. Uh, I grew up in era with George Steinbrenner owning the Yankees. And the catch-all, the big safety net for all these agents was the Yankees and George Steinbrenner. Because if you couldn't work out a deal, Steinbrenner could probably bail you out of failed deal or whatever the case may be, or at least leverage other teams and to get into this. This is what Steve Cohen has become because if the, and I'm not blaming the Mets and I'm look, I want an owner who wants to spend a ton of money. I don't understand all these other jealous owners or Steve Cohen's bad for baseball or Mark Cuban or any of these other owners who just want to win. Joe Lakeup has been labeled that way. They just want to win. They don't care about your luxury taxes. Steve Cohen's going to pay 110, $111 million total payroll, about $500 million. You don't care about that. And neither do I, he, he wants to win. And I don't think that's a bad thing and it exposes other teams, but so the story is Carlos Correa is in town. Scott Boris is in town. The day, the day before, they flagged this medical issue, which apparently was an issue 
not the back. Something actually actually happened pre. Uh, Ken Rosenthal with the latest, and again, this is a this is Boris's side of the story, which he's told to now Verducci, Susan Slusser, and Ken Rosenthal here. And Rosenthal points out in his latest piece in the Athletic, in the minors, Correa had undergone arthroscopic arthroscopic surgery to repair a fractured right fibula. Minor ligament damage had not been sidelined by the right leg issue in the majors, but dealt with back problems, led to a stint, blah, blah, blah. Again, Boris saying it's not back issue. Maybe it is, but that's Rosenthal saying there was a, a, I don't know, fairly major injury. So maybe that was it. We don't know until the Giants either say something, let something leak, whatever. They probably, they certainly aren't going to say anything publicly other than what they released because they want to save face with Boris and with other players and so forth. So, uh, they're in town the next morning. You would think if they flagged it the night before that they wouldn't call a press conference. And just to review this whole thing, we were supposed to on KNBR have Carlos Correa on at 8.30 on our morning show. We were supposed to carry the press conference during my show uh, at 11 a.m. We were supposed to have Gabe Kapler on our show at 1.30. We were supposed to have Farhan Zaidi on our afternoon show uh, at some point as well. So this, this, this was no mystery of what this whole thing was. Carlos Correa was going to be a giant. And in Verducci's piece, it says that he was even dressed in his hotel room. He was in a suit with an orange tie and ready to become the San Francisco giant shortstop. And someone in the organization flagged the whole thing, got a, a doctor. And again, I'll say this, they have a gaggle of doctors, but when it's a certain issue, they have a specialist. The specialist comes in, that person probably flagged it. That person doesn't have the power to say, we're not doing a deal. They do have the power to say this concerns me to what level. So then what happened was they talked to Boris and they said, we've got issues. Uh, Boris said, well, if you're not going to execute this, this letter, and as you heard uh, uh, Verducci in there, it's a, it's not a legal binding document, but they respect it. The other teams don't then go after, it's not like college athletics where they just ignore everything. They respect the letter and they say, okay, we're, we're done recruiting that player. He's with that team. But at a certain point, uh, Boris said, look, we'll give you till they agreed. Uh, I believe 1 or one thirty was the time. And if you don't execute the letter by that point, then my client's going somewhere else. Well, that time came, and there are two different versions of it. Susan's story says that they never heard back from the Giants. And three hours, four hours later, uh, he was a Met. And basically what Boris said, and I think he's got it, you know, Boris is, he says all those cheesy things, the story for Rosenthal has exactly what he said. Who cares? You don't care about that. When he contacted Steve Cohen, who was in Hawaii having dinner and a couple of drinks, which always helps. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those fancy places where you shop and they give you champagne and it loosens you up. So maybe that's what happened. $315 million? Sure, I'll pay it. So essentially he gave them, in, in uh, Verducci's story, it says he gave the Giants uh, that deadline. The Giants called back and said, we mean, need more time. And to which Scott Boris said, no, no more time. I'm going to shop his services and the Giants let him out of the letter and the rest is history and he became a Met. So that's that's essentially the long and the short of the story and what you just heard from Tom Ferducci. So hit me up on the chat line. Tell me what you think. We can get into, you know, today is a day, I believe, for outrage uh, for the Giants fans and, I, and the Lunatic Fringe and I understand all those kind of things. We will get into tonight in the live chat too what they do and I'll just put in a word of warning and I know you, you don't want to hear it today. You may want to hear it in a couple of days when... You settle down a little bit and it's logic, but we haven't heard the giant side of the story. And at some point we will, because there's great reporters. And as I said, there's a, a reason why they get information because then when things like this happen, uh, all of a sudden the story, their side of the story gets out. Not officially. It's just kind of bits and pieces because they got to be careful. 
they don't want to alienate Scott Boris because he's usually got the best players. They don't want to alienate the player because it looks bad and he talks to other players. You want to just be cool and be smooth and you just got to take it. That's just what it is. And Farhan's going to have to take it, even though we all know this. I think you know this. You're smart. That this it wasn't a Farhan decision when it comes to contracts of this magnitude. This is ownership. And either ownership is either comfortable with a contract like this and guaranteeing $350 million or they're not. That's what it comes down to. Now, I, I don't know what Greg Johnson said. I don't know if he said, Farhan, what do you think? Pete Petulia, what do you think? I, I don't know if it was a collaborative effort. I don't know enough about the Giants and since Farhan has taken over. We don't know. Like, if the Warriors make a move like this, we know it's collaborative. Ultimately, Joe Lacob makes the decision, but Bob Myers is in the room and Kirk Lacob is in the room and... You know, there's a number of different people who help a Clintly Shanahan has the final say, but Lynch is a big part of it too. With Farhan and this ownership group, we just don't know. But we know this, that when Aaron Judge's deal got done, and ironically enough, he was introduced today. It was Hal Steinbrenner at the last minute saying, all right, the owner of the Yankees saying, let's get this done, okay? And they did. And in the case of Carlos Correa going to the Mets, it wasn't Scott Boris calling the general manager of the Billy Epler of the Mets. He didn't call him. He called the decision maker. He called Steve Cohen and said, let's get a deal done at this level with these type of contracts. You're talking to the owners. So it'd be foolish to think that the owner of the giants didn't make the final call because it's his money. He's writing the checks and it's 13 and three fifty. So I would say without fully knowing, but trying to be responsible, but trying to play the game and clue at the same time, that Giants ownership was not comfortable with something that the doctor brought to their attention. That's just me. It's no insight. That's just me. The story's going to come out at some point, either in bits and pieces or something, something unofficial. It's just they have too many good reporters who have, I'm sure, gleaned information over the years, and now it's time for a little bit of payback, and that's how it works. Ebbs and flows, two-way street. When we're in trouble, help us out. When you need information, we'll try to help you out. That's just kind of how it works. All right. So that's the latest. All right. Give us your thoughts. Uh, oh, my good friend, sons of Johnny LeMaster, who's the greatest. Uh, Giants, fourth, team, uh, fourth best team in the NL, uh, NL West and fourth best team in the Bay Area. They've fallen behind the lowly A's. I don't know if I'd go that far. I've seen who the A's have signed, but your point is well taken. You know, there, it, it's here's where the tough part is for me. I'm not here to tell you what to do and what not to do. It's just, it's, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people who fill the stadium, but I'm sure there's a lot of people who are going to look at their ticket renewals and go, really? Look at the timing of this. I mean, somebody sent me something, maybe it was Photoshopped and it was Carlos Correa with Christmas lights around him. Could have been Photoshopped or it could just be horrible timing. But uh, yeah, that's not good. And um, I don't, you know, I don't know that they've fallen behind the A's, but they're certainly, even with the offseason the Dodgers have, and the Dodgers are doing it on purpose. The Dodgers are doing it because they may try to get under that $233 million luxury tax. And they're clearly going to go after Otani or Devers, or they're going to make a big splash next year. And they can still contend with what they have, even though they lost both Turners and they lost Bellinger and they lost what Tyler Anderson, I believe um, they signed a couple of minor free agents, nothing major. They kept Kershaw. They got Noah Syndergaard, um, uh, J.D. Martinez, they got J.D. Martinez. I mean, they did a couple of things, but they're clearly laying in the weeds. They're all one-year deals, if you notice. Martinez, one-year deal. Uh, Syndergaard, one-year deal. Uh, even Kershaw, one-year deal. They, they're, they're keeping everything to a year so that they can make a big splash next offseason. So I understand what they're doing. There's a plan. You can see it. Uh, the Padres. We're hearing more and more that Fernando Tatis has really fallen out of favor with the Padres. Don't know if you've heard that, but I've heard that from multiple people. 
Uh, they're going to try to trade Fernando Tatis, which is why they've added the, uh, these other big contracts. Problem is, he's got a long-term deal. We don't know what his health is, and he sure as, uh, sure as hell not signed, uh, trade him to the Giants. If Fernando Tatis was on a different team in a, in a in clear and obviously a different division, the Giants would be all over it. Like they they'd almost be desperate, and they'd just be like, "Yeah, sure, we'll trade for the guy." Now you'd have to do medicals on him because he's been injured. But the uh, the one superstar who's probably on the block and has a similar contract and. I would take over Correa, to be honest. Uh, I don't know what kind of a guy he is, but he's got oodles. Good word, by the way, huh? Oodles of talent. And he signed to, I believe, what is that? Like a three, I'll double check it before I say anything, 340 or I don't know what it is. It's an insane contract for, I think, 13 or 14 years. So, yeah, that, that would be one guy that was out there, but they're not trading him to the Giants. Uh, let's see. Uh, Johnny says, Fan Fest on February 4th is going to be a snooze fest. I will be there. Uh, look for me. Uh, I love FanFest. I go and they put me on one of the stages. I don't know if they will this year, but they put me on one of the stages. And I've always had the pleasure of having like Hunter Pence and Brandon Belt and Brandon Crawford. And it's always been a lot of fun. Then they put us on the big stage in front of the fans. And yeah, it's, that's going to be an interesting one because that's February 4th, you said. Uh, so what are you looking at today? December 21st. So roughly seven weeks. Uh, in that seven weeks, can they sign anybody, trade for anybody that will... Um, calm everybody down that can be a little bit of Pepto-Bismol on this whole whole thing or Alka-Seltzer or whatever. When I heard Michael Conforto's name today, sorry. Uh, that's another Mitch Hanniger. And talk about injuries. He's had a ton of them. So Conforto's not going to do it. And here's the issue that the, the Giants find themselves in. And th- by the way, if you're joining the live chat, thank you very much. John Lund, KNBR Radio in San Francisco. It is Unleashed Barrier Sports Talk, which we drop every weekday, both in the on the uh, YouTube channel and in podcast form and you can get that uh, anywhere you get your favorite podcast apple spotify and the such but yeah i don't know that there's anybody that they can uh, use as a pacifier that's a better word a pacifier to giants fans it's that person just doesn't exist they could pivot from judge to correa there's there's no pivot and the problem is for giants fans who want a short-term fix farhan has been loath to trade his prospects that we've heard for about for years and years and years and i think he would have looked at some of them had they gotten Correa as the base of the house. And then we've talked about Brian Reynolds and, uh, and different kind of guys. They, it, it, that was the other thing too, that I think Giants fans are upset about. Giants fans are smart. It wasn't just going to be Correa and we're done. It had to be Correa and more. And now it's, you don't even have that. And I don't know how you, I don't know how you pivot from it. Uh, J, uh, JYP says, uh, why the silence from the Giants? No pushback on Boris, no details on renegotiation process. Uh, they would tell you that there are laws and they don't want to get into this whole thing about um, the the injury and they don't want to bash anybody and they don't want to be seen in that light because they've got to continue to do business. Scott Boris is doing is protecting his player, protecting his reputation. He got out in front, as you can see. There's a piece. Ken Rosenthal wrote the latest. Susan Slusser uh, had tweets all day long from Boris's standpoint. I played Tom Verducci. To start off the uh, live chat tonight, Tom Verducci was on our show. He had a piece. If you go to SI.com, Verducci's got a piece. All of those reporters talk to Scott Boris. That's his job. Uh, as I said, I think this this story will come out because the Giants have good reporters. Guys like Andrew Bagley, who joins us every single week. We asked him to come on today. He didn't feel comfortable coming on today because he didn't feel like he had enough information. Well, that means that he's probably digging because he's a damn good reporter and he's probably going to have something. And they're going to have to phrase it in a way when they do kind of leak this story out a little bit. They're going to have to phrase it in a way that doesn't do damage to anybody. They're they're not in a position 
to to themselves release something, but they certainly can use reporters. And I, as I said before, that's how the process works. You get information from them when they're in a, a position of need like this, but it can't be obvious and there can't be sources and there can't be uh, attributions. And it just, it, it has to come out in a way that doesn't damage the reputation of that player or any, anybody else, because that's what happens is Carlos Correa is like, Hey, that, you know, the giants tried to, you know, try to make me look bad. Or Scott Boris will say the Giants tried to make me look bad. And you need Scott Boris more than he needs you for the most all the time. But they certainly aren't the Mets or the Yankees or the Dodgers. But, you know, when Scott Boris turned, it seemed like Carlos Correa's only place to go was here because the Yankees weren't in on him. The Dodgers weren't in on him. Uh, the Twins had a 10-285 on the offer. He wanted something bigger than that. And we can get into the Twins side of things because I've heard, hey, the Twins had him and, and they weren't hesitant on it. Just every doctor's different. Every organization's different. Every organization has a a tolerance level for these kind of things. And like I said, this was ownership. I, I would pin it on ownership. And I, I shouldn't say pin it because, you know what, three, five, seven, eight years, that, that's when we're going to know. I know there's a frustration level now with the organization, but if they are right, then then everyone's going to go, ooh, they, they dodged a bullet. But as of today, you're frustrated because you thought you had yourself – a shortstop. He was dressed and ready to go to the press conference. To me, I've never seen anything like it. I've seen the Dolphins. They they had Drew Brees, and then the doctors of Miami said, no, nah, we're not comfortable with the shoulder. Remember, he had a big shoulder injury with the Chargers, and then he was going to the Dolphins. Then he wasn't going to the Dolphins, and he went to the Saints, and everything worked out fine. So the doctor that time was wrong. Sometimes they're wrong. Sometimes they're right. We only hear when they're wrong because that's the big story. I don't, I don't know what's going to turn out. I mean, that's the, that's the intrigue here. We can't put this one in a microwave oven. This one's got to cook. And in a few years, if Carlos Correa leads him to a championship and is an MVP and a multi-time all-star, which he may very well be, and that's a damn good team. To me, it's the best team, at least on paper in the National League. They're the best infield in the National League. And they are, we're back to square one, why hitters won't come here, which I asked Verducci later. And he said they will, but (laughs) facts are the facts. Barry Bond is the last star hitter to put pen to paper. Correa agreed, never got to the, never got to the altar. Uh, let's see. Uh, thank you, uh, Grizz23. Uh, great show. Thank you, Laney. Great show. Yachty, they wasted their time chasing the whales of free agency and missed out on signing some other good free agents who could have added value to this team. I agree with you. I said that today. I agree 100%. As a person, as you can see, that is not the most attractive man on the face of the earth, you have to know your limits. If you're going to run around and chase supermodels all day long, uh, you're generally going to buy a bunch of drinks and diamonds and jewels and everything else and probably be disappointed at the end of the night or day. Um, you've got to know your lane. You've got to stay in your lane. And if you're not comfortable, and this here's the thing. I, I'm not being a psychologist when I say this. You have to know who you are. So you have to know going into free agency. Now, if I have a major complain about this whole process is that you played in the deep end of the pool. You knew what Aaron judge was going to cost. You knew what Carlos Correa was going to cost. And if you weren't comfortable with those numbers and and your tolerance level for risk, wasn't extremely high, then you can't play in this end of the pool. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. You can't get into the double digit game. If you're worried, if you have an eye towards what happened to Albert Pujols, then this wasn't the game for you to be playing. And at the beginning, and look, this is easy to do with 2020 vision as we have right now. And I did say this throughout the process, though. If if you wanted to play a little bit lesser of a game and you weren't comfortable with the double digits, and look, these guys all know. 
know, this isn't, it's a surprise to you and I maybe when you see all these double digits contracts, like, whoa, Bogart's got double digits and Correa got double digits. Like it used to be, and I've said this a lot of times on the show, it used to be reserved double digit contracts for Trout and for Harper and for superstar players. But the Giants knew because they do their due diligence that this was going to be an off season of double digit contracts, double digit years, a lot of money. These shortstops were going to get a bunch of money. Pandemic be damned. Oh, we lost so much money. I guess you didn't. I guess you're okay. So they knew going in, A, that it was going to cost a lot to do business. The other thing that I refuse to believe is that they just got the latest medicals and went, whoa, what's this? Because remember, if Scott Boris is telling the truth, and I'm putting if in capital letters, if Scott Boris, and we're only hearing one side of the story, is telling the truth, then this was a pre-existing injury. It wasn't the back injury. So the medicals that the Giants got when they signed him on Thursday, and they actually had these medicals at the uh, winter meetings in San Diego because they met with Scott Boris there, and they had uh, they had access to these before free agency even started. There's a whole, meetings and meetings and meetings and meetings, even during the season, free agency, free agency, for who's going to be a free agent. They've been working on this for months and months and months. And now a pre-existing injury the night before that you're, he's in San Francisco, he's in a suit. The night before you have an injury flagged by a doctor, you've had months to vet this. And so now you, and again, I'm not, I don't know the story. It's going to come out, but did you get cold feet at the last minute and you found this injury and just said, we, we just don't feel comfortable with 13 and 360. I wouldn't blame you if you didn't. But again, this is the perfect analogy is being left at the altar, man. I get it that you don't want to make the mistake and you don't show up to the wedding because, and it's either cold feet or it's legitimate. You know what? I don't love her. Or if you're a woman, I don't love this dude. I just ain't showing up. And that's essentially what happened here. And Carlos Correa moved on, but to the point of and a long, <laughs> a long explanation for all this kind of stuff. And thank you for the question on the chat line. The long explanation is, yeah, if you're not comfortable, lesson learned here, life is about learning lessons, right? Here I go into psychology. Life is about learning lessons. Nobody gets angry long-term if you make a mistake. But here's the thing. If you make it over and over and over, well, you missed out on Harper and you missed out on Stanton and you missed out on uh, Judge. And you got to learn your lesson, which is the pivot to plan B. You knew this was the last one. It was Correa. So if you didn't want to play in this deep pool, then Swanson at 7 and 177 ultimately with the Cubs. And he wanted to go to Chicago and he had a press conference again today, and his, and his wife plays the, for the Chicago Red Stars Women's Soccer League, and so maybe they wanted to be in Chicago, and they said his, his dad or grandfather, I can't remember which one, was a Cubs fan, and so maybe he was just going to go there if he wasn't going to the Braves, but you could have made it a little more difficult. So basically for ha- almost half years and half money, you could have had Swanson, and then you could have added players around him, and maybe that should have been plan A because sounds to me in the, in, in the press conference for Aaron Judge today, Aaron Judge always wanted to be in New York. He just wanted to show him love. And he said how great New York was. And he talked about how Carlos Correa was going to love New York. And it was New York, New York. It was a New York love fest. And I'm not saying that Aaron Judge used the Giants. I don't think he did. I think that was his plan B where he said, okay, if the Yankees just aren't going to step up, I'm going to go home. But if they're going to step up and they're going to show me love, then I'm going to New York. He made that abundantly clear today in his press conference. So did the Giants not get that vibe? And then when they switched to plan B, this is just what it looks like on the surface without their explanation. When they flip to plan B, it just doesn't sound like they were all on the same page. And that's a problem because plan B should have been, wait a minute, man, we don't, we swung for the fences with judge. There's two strikes on us. Let's choke up a little bit. 
and, you know, let's hit a single or let's knock one in the gap. We've got to get something. We can't get nothing. And Farhan doesn't want to trade prospects now, so trades aren't a huge thing that they really wanted to do at a high level. Maybe they could have added after Correa trades, but they don't want to take any of those top prospects and move them now, which they might be forced to do. The worst thing they could do, by the way, is panic and overpay for somebody like a Michael Conforto. I heard his name. It's like, no, no, no. Uh-uh. I wouldn't do that. I would not do long-term with Michael Conforto talking about injuries. So probably plan B should have been, let's let's hit a double in the gap, and let's get Dansby Swanson and add to our bullpen. And they're not going to be as happy, but, hey, that's pretty good. But they swung for the fences again with two strikes, took a huge hack, and took a fastball 99 right down the middle and missed it. That's what I see. Uh, Derek says, organization completely gutless for not addressing the fan base directly. It will get out. Um, like I said, there are laws, and I understand that you don't want to hear it. I, I, I totally get it. They can't come out today and and put Boris on blast, and they can't put Correa on blast, and they, they can't. Now, is there a way that they could have done a little bit more than what they did in a short, uh, brief statement? Yeah, they could have done more than that. But I think they're waiting. They're, I think they're waiting for everything to cool down. Farhan, for sure, will come on our shows on, uh, on KNBR. It will be back. Players will come back. I think they're probably taking a bit of a hiatus through the holidays and let everybody calm down. But, yeah. The good reporters for the Giants, I'm talking Andrew Baggerly and Susan Slusser and the, the people who have been covering for a long time, have enough connections around baseball and within that organization that they will, in the near future, get the Giants' side of the story. It's just not going to come directly from the Giants. That's just how they operate. Uh, uh, Johnny says, what's the uh, collateral damage near, uh, near-term, long-term? Great question. Uh, that's why the Giants aren't saying anything because if you let your emotions get the best of you as an organization, you're going to alienate players, agents, future uh, free agent signings, those kind of things. So they're not, that's why they're staying quiet. They're trying to be classy. Believe me, they're steaming over there. And, and I don't know who, who is to blame, and I'm not really assigning blame because somebody wasn't comfortable with 13 years. It's a difference of opinion. So, and again, at this level, at this level of a contract, it's, it's, I'm gonna, just going to say it's ownership. Now, maybe it's a collaborative effort over there like it is with the other teams and the professional teams in the Bay Area. I'm sure it is, but it started with a specialist who didn't like something pre-MLB that, according to Scott Boris, not a back injury, pre-MLB, they were uncomfortable with something and a doctor brought it to attention. Then a, a specialist comes in. He doesn't like it. They relay that information to the Giants. Farhan comes in. Pete Patui, the GM, comes in. Obviously, more members of the ownership group comes in. Ultimately, Greg Johnson is the decision maker. I think it's, what, 27%. Ultimately, he is uh, the decision maker. It's probably collaborative, but at the end of the day, they point to him because this is how it works. Somebody's got to make a decision. It can't be a full democracy. Who makes the decision? He says yay or nay on the $350 million. That's how I see it. Could be completely wrong. Maybe Farhan said he wasn't comfortable. Farhan's job, and this is part of being president of baseball operations, you don't write the checks. You're in charge to a certain extent, but we all know this. We have bosses, and we, have, we know how, how business works. Ultimately, the person who writes the checks and is in control of the money is in control of the decision-making. So to me, just using deductive logic and le- using reason and having done this 25 years, at this level, the ownership group makes the decision, and that's, um, the face of that is Greg Johnson. Greg Johnson must not have been comfortable with the contract. But it comes down to, because you know what? Steve Cohen without, and I guarantee they're going to pass Carlos Correa. Steve Cohen rubber stamped the deal and he's not going back. 
And Hal Steinbrenner said, we're bringing back Aaron Judge. Ownership, ownership, ownership. That's who makes decisions when the dollars are this high. Uh, Swanson should have been their first shot. Yachty, Swanson should have been their first shot at shortstop. I was hoping they would uh, try to sign a guy like Cody Bellinger. His bat has left him the past year, but he's 27, a great center fielder. I would agree 100% with that take. With that, a lot smarter than me. And you had to get something. And again, Carl, look, Farhan Zaidi said at the beginning of this, no one's going to outbid us. We're going to be in this thing. We're going to, you know, I don't know if he necessarily said we're going to sign free agents, but because you're not, you're not going to do that. You're not going to say that. But essentially he said, we're going to be aggressive. We're not going to get outspent. You know, we understand we got to get players on this team and we got to get fans through the turnstiles. He was, he was aggressive in his, in his word choice in saying that they were going to get players that would excite Giants fans. That's what he said. And that's why there's so much disappointment today. So, again, live and learn from this. Okay, you took a big swing at Aaron Judge. You sure you want to take a big swing at Carlos Correa? It's easy to say now. But I did say this consistently on my KMBR show. Wouldn't it be better to get Dansby Swanson for half the price? Once this all started to crystallize on what these shortstops were going to cost. Once Trey Turner went 11 and 300, went, okay, that's the, that's the ballpark we're playing in. So you knew Correa was getting double digits and 300-plus, especially when Aaron Judge went off the board, especially when Bogarts. Remember, Bogarts went before Correa at 11 and 280. So you could it was easy to, to start slotting these guys in, and you heard Swanson was going to be a lot less. So at that point, and maybe they did, and maybe the Cubs just got him. But they got Correa, then the Cubs got Swanson. So it looks like, again, without an explanation from the Giants, it looks like... They, they went Correa, and they didn't go Swanson. And Swanson went 7-177. and 177. And he's not the player Correa is, but he's not far off. And if you're looking at essentially half, 7-13, to 13, we're going to the Giants contract, almost half, 177 to 350, almost half. I mean, it's not, but almost. If you weren't comfortable with the other guy, then go with this guy and then sign some relievers because your philosophy to pitching is we're going to have Logan Webb as a one, and then we're going to get a bunch of guys who are three, fours, and fives. They'll go maybe five innings. And we need a really strong bullpen to, to fortify that, which they still haven't done. And then if we're in it, I understand the logic here because Farhan has said this in the past. And then if we're in it come trade deadline time, because we all know, you, you look, you got to have a good pen in the uh, postseason, but you got to have a better number two starter than what they're going to have this year. Manaya, uh, Wood, Cobb, uh, I don't know, Kyle Harrison. I don't know enough. I mean, I've seen Harrison pitch, but I don't think he's a number two starter right out of the gate. But you get my my drift. Di Sclafani, whomever they're going to put in the number two hole, that's not going to do it come playoff time. So if you're in it and you're playing really well, then you can give up some of those prospects to get a starting pitcher, a high-quality front-line starter, and that I think that was their logic. Well, along those lines of the logic of the pitching, which is one good one and a bunch of really what they think is good that can eat up innings and be effective – Maybe that should have been your offensive philosophy, which is, look, we don't need to swing for the fences. They weren't swinging for the fences when it came to frontline starting pitching, which actually does sign here. They went for that with the bat. And I understand why they went after Aaron Judge. But if they made an error, maybe they made an error in not vetting plan B well enough. And after plan B, because you had Correa last Thursday until what, two, until Monday. So during that whole time, Dansby Swanson signed, nobody else was left. So yeah, plan B was botched. However you want to look at it. Uh, Cuddy4688. Thank, glad you're on YouTube. Thanks. I'm enjoying it. It's really cool. Having a good time. 
Uh, Cubs also got Bellinger. Yachty, you're right. Uh, I, I was an advocate for Bellinger. I don't know how Giants fans feel about Cody Bellinger. He got $17 million to me and you. It's like, you're going to pay me what? Uh, $17 million? But in baseball, that's not huge. And especially one year, it's, it's, it's not bad to take that risk. And now as we sit, even with Correa, and again, I, you know, they were going so hard after Judge. Can you do two things at once? Can you walk and chew gum? I can't. So when they were going all in on Aaron Judge, and this was the problem on Aaron Judge, live and learn on this. When they were going all in on Aaron Judge, they should have read the room. He wasn't coming to the Giants unless the Yankees weren't going to step up. The Yankees were going to step up. So Bellinger got off the board early because he went to the Cubs, and he's a good center fielder. I understand he's not hitting. But if you look at the Giants lineup right now, let's just assume just for a second, live in fantasy land, that Correa is it short. Well, you have you have uh, Mitch Hanniger in left field, and you have Mike Yastrzemski in right. You're still needing a center fielder badly. And they tried to get Sean Murphy, so that tells you what they think of Bart. And if you know if if the middle defense was Murphy, Craw at second, Correa at short, and Bellinger in center, that's the kind of thing that Farhan was talking about before free agency. Now we're cooking with gas. Now Bellinger maybe can't hit. Maybe you can't fix that. I get it. And maybe they weren't comfortable with it, but it was one year. And Gabe Kapler and Farhan Zaidi know Bellinger. So maybe it can't be fixed because the Dodgers are a hell of an organization. You can hate them all you want, but they're really good at developing players. And if the Dodgers couldn't fix the swing, maybe they weren't comfortable getting Bellinger. I did hear from multiple sources that they were interested in Bellinger, but he wasn't going to be the plan A. But still, I think you could have gotten Bellinger while you were waiting on Judge. Bellinger's from Scottsdale, Arizona. Again, look, maybe there was somebody within the Cubs that he had a connection with. Maybe he liked, you know, whatever he liked, whatever they were pitching, whatever, you know, maybe he liked that. But I have find it hard to believe that Cody Bellinger wouldn't want to get revenge on the Dodgers, stay on the West Coast, familiar with Gabe, familiar with Farhan. If they had shown him that love, he'd probably be the center fielder of the, of the Giants. And you'd feel a hell of a lot better. I'm not saying that that would have completed the offseason, but I'd feel a hell of a lot better with Yastrzemski and Wright, who's a good right fielder in this ballpark. Bellinger running down, start piecing this together. And if you got Correa and you got, you got Craw, and especially now with the limited or no shift, now that they're going to be shooting for that, for that hole at second base. It's going to be Tyro Estrada now, but I would have liked Brandon Crawford to be at second, Correa to be at short, maybe a better catcher and Bellinger in center field. Now you're up the field in, up the, up the middle defense is amazing. And Farhan said they had to get more athletic. A lot of it was, you got to live and learn, which is, okay, you can't get the supermodels. They're not coming. Now the supermodel pitchers, the Carlos Redons, they'll sign here. The Tim Hudsons, I mean, go on down the line since 2010, who they've signed. You know, Zito, you didn't like the deal, but he signed here. There's a number of different guys. And speaking of Zito, and then I'll hit back out to the, um, to the chat. You know, the worst thing they can do now is try to uh, settle down the fans and, and throw them a, a big piece of steak and say, look, we got somebody. You know, they, you don't want to do that. That's what happened with Barry Zito. They struck out on bats and they signed Zito to a long-term contract. And I know it's palatable just because he helped them win a World Series, but for the majority of that contract, it was atrocious. So you don't want to do that. You don't want to turn around. And there's really nobody to go get. There's no big money guy to go get from a free agent standpoint. The, all the guys that they wanted, Kodai Singa, the pitcher from Japan, Mets. You know, Aaron Judge, Yankees. New York is the bane of our existence. <laughs> Carlos. So do you live and learn? Do you decide in the future the Dansby Swansons of the world, that's the way we're going to go? Because we're not, we're not comfortable with double-digit years. And that's fine. That's how a lot of teams operate. The Astros operate like that. We had a number of Astros writers on my KMBR show this week 
who simply said the Astros were never going to give Carlos Correa that kind of money. They had Jeremy Pena. And ultimately, and I know, again, I know you don't want to hear this today, but ultimately the Giants are going to have to win through the farm system so that when they let a guy go or a guy doesn't sign or whatever, that you've got guys coming up. The issue right now with the Giants, as you well know, is that the guys like Brandon Crawford are too old and Evan Longoria and Brandon Belt and those guys, they're all too old. And these prospects we've been hearing about for years and years and years are too young. Where's the 25 to 30-year-old guy in the prime of his career? Well, they haven't drafted and developed those guys. So what do you have to do in every single sport if you can't draft and develop? You have got to. You're forced to do it. You're forced to get into free agency and overspend. That's what you are forced to do. The 49ers had to do it there for a while. It doesn't always hit. D Ford, and that was a trade. But, you know, you're forced to do that. The Warriors did it for years. Okay, we're going to over, you know, David Lee, and we got to do these things because we can't draft and develop, and we don't have players who are in the prime of their career. So we got to take a chance on free agents, and by guys getting to free agency, for the most part, they are flawed. Normally, in every sport, if they have a player they want to keep, organizations do. The Yankees blew it on Aaron Judge, uh, under, gave him the two, or offered him the $213 million. He got to free agency. Uh, Carlos Correa, the, the Astros were not going to play uh, pay market value. The Twins couldn't play pay market value for Carlos. Exceptions to every rule and how a guy gets to free agency, but essentially most free agents, most, are flawed. Quarterbacks rarely make it to free agency who are even good, not great. They just got to hold on to them. So that's just kind of a rule in free agency. So you're going to get somebody who's flawed. Dansby Swanson, I don't know where he was flawed. He was from Georgia. He won a World Series. The Braves had said, here's, the, here's what happened there, is the Braves had signed everyone else but him. And I think as soon, because Dansby loved playing in Atlanta and was from Georgia, that he was going to stay for a lesser dollar, and he didn't. So there are exceptions to the rule, and there are explanations to those exceptions. But you're normally going to get a flawed player in free agency. That's how free agency works. You want to draft and develop. How's the, oh, hi, Patrick. How's the custom lens replacement treating you? Thank you for asking, Dr. Craig Bindi. And Dr. Lynn did my procedure. Yeah, it takes a while. I had the first procedure done. Thanks for asking. And this is not a paid advertisement. Uh, I had the first uh, installment done, I don't know, about three weeks ago. I'm having the second one done January 4th. It takes a minute. Um, my my uh, long-term vision is good. I'm working on my short-term vision. I would do it again. Uh, the guys down there uh, are incredibly talented. Incredibly talented. Thank you for asking. Uh, let's see what else we got. D- 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 Derek. Okay. I already got yours. What else we got? Lower beer. <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, <laughs> lower beer prices and the fans will be okay. Uh, that's Patrick. Yeah, maybe. Uh, what was it? Uh, no, that was disco demolition night. Cleveland. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was Cleveland 10 cent beer night and things went crazy. Comiskey park was disco demolition night was Comiskey park. That was a bill Vec, and that was the white Sox. And that went horribly wrong. 10 cent beer night was Cleveland in 74. Am I wrong in that one? Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure I'm 99% on it was Cleveland. 10 cent beer night that the Indians did. Let's look that up really quick while we're on the, on the chat. 10 cent beer night. And it was in Cleveland. It went horribly wrong and nobody else is going to do that again. 10 cent beer night, Cleveland. Let me see. I'm sure of it. Yeah, here it is right here. Ten cent beer night was a promotion held by Major League Baseball's Cleveland Indians during a game against the Texas Rangers, June 4, 1974. Fans riot. Ten cent beer night on this night in Cleveland. Yeah, it, it is a great concept. 
uh, was to attract more fans of the game by offering cups of low alcohol beer for just 10 cents, equivalent to 55 cents today. Can you imagine getting a 50 cent beer? You go insane. That's why people went crazy. Uh, beers back in 1974, the baseball game were 65 cents, equivalent to 357 today. <sighs> My Lord, what are we paying? 20 bucks for a beer? With a limit of, get this, this is how things have changed. With a limit of six beers per purchase, no limit on the number of purchases made during a game. <laughs> Can you imagine today? So let's say they are, again, they're saying it's the equivalent of 65 cents. So let's say they did run 65 cent beer night. I mean, and you could get a limit of six. My God, for like four bucks, you could get six beers. You'd be in the bag too. June 4, 1974, Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, six days earlier, the Indians and Rangers had involved in a bench-clearing brawl that was widely publicized. Game, therefore, drew a rowdy crowd. See, why would people think, oh, this is wonderful. Firecrackers, streakers, and marijuana further enlivened the event. Most sober fans departed early. <laughs> Can you imagine being in that game? And after that, everyone went, eh, no. Anyway, 10-cent beer night. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great concept. They're not going to do it for that very reason. They're not going to do it because they feel like they can probably get fans out there. So, wonderful. Uh, let's see. Start your yeah. Start your own beer snake. Gonna be good, Johnny. Uh, I think what you just said uh, created so much manger. Giants overpromise, underdelivered by big free agent signings. Exactly right. Uh, they basically said we're gonna be in on this thing. This is gonna be different. Uh, they missed on Stanton. They missed on Harper. They missed on the Judge thing was a big deal. But if you had gotten Correa, it would have been fine. And I'm not behind the scenes on this, and I don't have any insight into this. I don't think anybody does yet, and I think we will find out shortly. And I understand why fans are upset that the Giants haven't said anything, but they just can't. They have to take it. And Scott Boris has gotten, as I said, to Tom Verducci, to Susan Slusser, to now Ken Rosenthal, and he's telling his side of the story. But he only has two people to worry about. He has to worry about himself. Objective was to protect his player, which he's gone out and said it's not a back, and uh, miss him, you know, uh, this was different. He told the story about, cause he didn't want to look like a bad guy. He told the story of, we gave him until one o'clock and they said they needed more time and they wanted to negotiate. And we said, we wouldn't give you any time. By the way, when Carlos Correa comes back on April 23rd on Sunday night baseball, I'd be curious to know how you're going to treat him. It's not his fault. I mean, what was he supposed to do? Uh, his agent went out, told the giant, if this is all true, if this is all true, this is one side of the story. He basically told the the Giants, look, we're gonna shop, we're gonna shop him. And then he called Steve Cohen in Hawaii, and Steve Cohen said, "Yeah, I'll do twelve and three fifteen. Was Carlos Correa supposed to say no? Was Carlos Correa supposed to go back to the Giants and say, "Hey, I got an offer on the table from the Mets for twelve and three fifteen. Will you still do thirteen and three sixty? Maybe they did do that. We don't know. The Giants, like I said, I think this will leak out at some point, and there'll be details, and we'll know the Giants' side of the story. Because if I'm the Giants, I want it out, but it has to be done in a certain way." They can't be traced back to, but this stuff happens all the time. We know how the, the business works. Uh, two-way street, you rub my back, I'll rub yours. It's it's going to come out at some point. And Andrew Baggerly, a Susan Slusser, somebody like that, who we have on KMBR all the time, they'll get this story. But as it is right now, there's one side of the story being being done, and the Giants can't come out and freak out because it's not like Boris, who has a player in himself to protect. The Giants have a bunch of players in Major League Baseball that they don't want to piss off. They don't want a, a reputation as a place that, that – uh, Players don't want to sign or as an organization bitching and moaning or whatever. They don't want to be seen as that. They want to be seen as a classy organization, treats their players right. So they have to take this a certain way. It's unfortunate for them, but Scott Boris can do all the things he's doing. He's an agent. He can be boastful. 
He can say, look, I went from three, 13 and 360 to 12 and 315. I'm great at what I do. Uh, he's going to throw the Giants under the bus. He's going to make them the bad guys. It, it, there's a version of this story that has not been told that's probably a little different than what's being told by Boris, but that's how it is. Uh, yeah, 20 to 23rd. Uh, oh, yeah, let me finish that thought. I'm, I'm not booing Carlos Correa. It's, if I was a fan, it, it's not his fault. We all would have taken, oh, wait a minute, I'm not getting $360 million? Pugh. Oh, I'm getting 315. All right. You know, that's that's what he did. I'm not upset with Boris. I'm not upset with uh, Correa. They they did their jobs. I'm not upset with the Giants. That's not it. But uh, but Johnny brings up a great point, which is you said at the beginning of this thing you were going to you were going to put get pen to paper and you didn't. And I don't care how much you tried. We are way beyond the almost got a judge and almost got Correa. It doesn't matter. They're both playing in New York. You've got to close deals. Um, uh, let's see. Da, 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 da. Yeah, there's another question on here that talks about, you know, how you win nowadays. The thing is, is that if you look back through the history of baseball, even though it's uncapped and they can try to put taxes on all this stuff and the major market teams don't care because the revenue streams are massive. I mean, these are teams that were complaining. We don't have any money like two years ago and during the pandemic. Oh, what was us? And they're just throwing money around like they're, you know, like they're like they're drunk at two o'clock in the morning. I mean, they're just like throwing all this money around. So they, they have plenty of money to throw around despite the fact that they're crying about it. There is more than one way to do it, but there's a microwave way, which we as sports fans want. And there is a way that is a longer term. And it's almost damaging that they won 107 games a couple of years ago because then we all went, whoa, <laughs> let's roll, man. They won 107 games. That's not who they are. I'm not going to say they're lucky because over 162 games, it's hard to get that lucky. Uh, you can get lucky over maybe 10, 20, 30, 40 games in baseball, not, a, not 162. They won 107. And so we all had heightened expectations, and now we're being told, oh, be patient. Our young guys are coming. Give us a couple more years, maybe 2023. I mean, if you go to Baseball America, all those young players, their ETAs, a lot of them are 2023. But are they going to be great as rookies? Probably not. So now it's, hey, we won 107, and we're competing with the Dodgers, and we're blowing away the Padres, and – we're going to, you know, we're going to get back to the 10, 12, and 14 days because they never won 107 games. And now, hey, we won 81, and we're back to slowing down the process and de- drafting and developing. And for fans, it's like, wait a minute, man. We're a major market team. We're not the A's. You promised us a, a bunch of guys pen to paper, and you didn't get Judge, you didn't get Correa, and you had egg on your face on both. So I get the frustration level today. Again, I just can't wait to see what the other side of the story is, not Scott Boris's side. Uh, Rick Brown says they should just play Casey Schmidt, Kyle Harrison, and Von Brown and sink or swim. I, I understand the sentiment behind that. Uh, they have to be ready or you're going to damage their their uh, egos. I mean, if you look at James Wiseman, if you're a Warriors fan, James Wiseman had a nice game tonight. I don't know what he finished up with. I know that around halftime or a little bit after he had 22 and he looked really good. Um, on a bad team, you can just throw a bunch of guys out there and and not worry about it. And, but what happens a lot of times, I've seen this in the NFL with quarterbacks. You have too. I've seen this with young players on teams. You're seeing it with James Wiseman. Every time Wiseman makes a mistake, he looks over the sideline. Oh boy. Uh, You got to build confidence in players. And you know, this as a human being, if you don't have confidence, you don't have anything. So if you throw those players up to major league baseball too early, some are going to swim. I mean, it's a sink or swim thing. Some are going to swim and and maintain their confidence. A lot are not going to lose their confidence and that's it. I've seen it with tons of quarterbacks. You know, young quarterbacks come in. They got a bad team. Fans are booing him. I was in Detroit with Joey Harrington, for example. Harrington was talented. He just lost his confidence. Teams booed him. 
It's a negative place to be. Everybody got negative on him. He lost completely lost his confidence in a different situation. We see this all the time in sports. In a different situation, guys can flourish. It's where they are. Uh, James Wiseman is struggling mentally. I think physically he's a freak. Mentally he's he's having trouble, man. He's having trouble. And I think to reach his full potential, I'm starting to think that he may have to go to another team and just have somebody throw him out there for 30 minutes and say, dude, sink or swim, we don't care. Uh, I, I Look, I like Casey Schmidt. I've told this story a million times. I have like, I pulled like three, I'm a card collector. I pulled like three of his autographed cards out. They were awesome. Like, dude, I want him to be a hall of famer. I got a kid in college and I'm, I'm remarried now very happily. Thank you very much. But I mean, you know, I got divorced. I'm paying it. I need money. I need those Casey Schmidt cards to be big. I want Casey Schmidt in the majors tomorrow, but, uh, what else do we got? Uh, James, uh, you know, okay. We did that one. Good old days. Yep. Yep. Uh, let's see. I guess that's it. Uh, Sean Swanson's wife plays soccer. Yep. Yeah. He's in Chicago. Look, I don't, I don't know about Nancy Swanson. If he was just dead set on going to Chicago, maybe he was, I saw his press conference. I think dad or grandfather was a, uh, was a Cubs fan. So maybe he was going to Chicago the whole time, but money talks. And if the giants had made, I have a feeling. Okay. I have a feeling. I don't, I have no idea, but I just have a feeling players love to be loved and players love money and love and not Carlos Correa and made him your top priority and made him realize and and made him feel great and then offered him, you know, a contract at or what the Cubs did early, you probably get him. And then there's probably a bunch of other players around him because he's about signed for about half of what Correa did or was offered. Correa was offered 350. He got 177 and he got seven years. And if you were comfortable with that, maybe that should have been the way. Maybe that's a live and learn moment for the Giants. You say, you know what? Houston Astros, we, we had a lot of beat writers on this week. I told you this. They just said they were – the owner of the Astros, Jim Crane, as good as the Astros are, have never signed anyone above five years. Maybe that's what the Giants are going to be. We're just not comfortable with it. So we're going to go over here. You know that kitty table you have to eat at at Thanksgiving and Christmas? We'll eat over here. We'll go in the kiddie pool. We're not going to go in the deep end, all right? The deep end is reserved for double-digit year contracts and six, seven, eight-year contracts for pitchers. We like three-year contracts for pitchers, five, six, seven-year contracts for hitters. That's what we're going to do. It's okay. I think you could see could uh, could succeed doing that. It's just then don't go after the double-digit years, and you knew that at the beginning of the free agency. If you didn't have that tolerance, if you didn't have that risk tolerance, then you probably shouldn't have went there. Just a thought. All right. Thank you very much for being on the chat. Hopefully, you feel better about things I do. Uh, I've been talking about this thing all day long. So let's see what they do. I think the worst thing they can do from here is panic and try to uh, put a Band-Aid on all this stuff and 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 be and get Pepto-Bismol and say, look, it's Michael Conforto or, you know, whomever. Um, I think they need to fortify the bullpen. That's what I would do. I said this whole time that they should just kind of – while everybody else is zigging towards the bats, they should zag towards pitching and have four number one starters and then depth after that and then the best bullpen in all of baseball. You don't have to win every game 10-8. You can win games 1-zip, 2-1-3-2. And they should have done this the whole time. Pitchers will sign here. I said this early in the process, even before the judge thing went awry. Colorado does not go after high-end pitching. They try to draft and develop it. Now, I'm not saying they're overly successful, but hitters will sign there. Chris Bryant signed last year. I mean, over and over and over. Hitters will sign in Colorado. Pitchers won't. Pitchers will sign in San Francisco. Hitters won't. And remember, I know they came to an agreement with Correa. He didn't sign. Hitters won't sign in San Francisco. Pitchers will. Change of philosophy. That's one thought. All right, that's it. 
Thanks so much. Appreciate you hanging out with me. We're going to do these every Wednesday. I'm going to make these happen every Wednesday. I said six o'clock. I was a little bit late. I had a neighbor, not that you care, but I had a neighbor that was having a, um, a, uh, happy hour. Now I did not indulge. Uh, maybe I should have ahead of time, but they were having a happy hour. I wanted, I, I didn't want to be a bad neighbor. So it's, they were doing that from like five to six. So it was a few minutes late, but every Wednesday, why don't you tune in, uh, Wednesday at six o'clock and we can talk giants. We can talk life. We can talk Niners who have the, have the, uh, a huge game against the commanders this weekend. We could talk warriors. They got smoked by the nets tonight. We could talk all various sports. We didn't even have to talk sports. Hang on the chat line. I love that you're hanging out today. I really, really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I love Brody, by the way. Thank you. Uh, thank you, James. Love, love Brody. Maybe I will. He's got a killer setup, man. He's the best. We used to do tons of stuff at the other radio station. I'm a huge Brody fan. We're pals, and uh, yeah, I should do something with him. That's a great idea. Appreciate it. Uh, if you are not subscribing to the YouTube channel, please do that. I appreciate it. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, you can do that. Apple, Spotify, John London, Leashed Barry, a sports talk. Search both on YouTube and on uh, one of those places where you get your podcasts, and uh, we're live there. So make sure you do that. Tell your friends. Spread the word. Much appreciated. We'll see you tomorrow or hear you tomorrow at 10 o'clock on KNBR. We will continue to talk about this. I'm sure the story will have more and more for you. Plus, we'll get you ready for the Niners. We always have a great day on test. I'll keep doing the YouTube channel. And we'll keep doing these chats, say, every Wednesday. Or if there's breaking news, we'll do these chats as well. So make sure that you uh, stay up on things and, and uh, check out the chats. Because we'll, I'll, I'll schedule them every Wednesday about 6 o'clock Pacific. But then if there's breaking news, let's say they sign somebody or this Korea thing happens, whatever the case may be, then uh, we'll do these live chats at that point. So anyway... Thanks for tuning in. Have a great night. Happy holidays. Tomorrow, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on KNBR. And check us out and continue to listen and watch on the YouTube channel and on Spotify, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Thank you so much. Have a great night. It's been Unleashed with me, John Lund, from KNBR Radio and the Locked On Podcast Network.